Hello, and welcome to the Question Night Qualified Podcast as we continue our preview of the 2023 NFL season. I'm your host, John Truxus, and I've been immunized against the hard knocks hype, and I'm joined as usual by my co-host, Mike X. Yax, how you doing, buddy? Uh, I'm doing great, and I'm very excited for your takes uh, on the New York Jets. I'm excited as well. I spent far too long digging into them, and uh, I'm excited to you know, unleash them on our vast listening public. Oh, yeah. There's a few people, maybe. Absolutely. I know my <laughs> wife listens. Hey, I can! <laughs> yeah, we can celebrate that, at least. Uh, I was able to find a beer to go along with the AFC East. It's by Sun Lab Brewing, and it's called Chills That You Spill. It's a hazy IPA. And they are centered in Miami. So... Got a fun one for the evening. Go ahead and get that open, and we can dive on in. Okay, so we are starting with the New England Patriots, who are in an interesting situation this season after being pretty underwhelming ever since Tom Brady left town. And I think there is a little bit, to some extent, some legacy on the line here for Belichick, just because Brady won a Super Bowl and he hasn't yet. And I think more importantly, they've been kind of downright boring sense? Uh, I would definitely disagree in some ways. But, yeah, as a team, as a as an offense, schematically they've been very boring. Yes, yes. I mean, their defense has been great for the past few seasons, which is a testament to his, you know, his coaching and his side of the ball. Maybe it's more that he seems to have slipped a bit in the general management portion of his role. Yeah, and I would say that was anything but boring going into the last season. It was like the biggest storyline that his offense was being run by a defensive coordinator, and it was the dumbest, most idiotic thing. Any Everybody knew it wasn't going to work, but the amount of hubris that Bill Belichick seems to contain knows no bounds, and then Matt Patricia was his offensive coordinator, and that is the dumbest possibility on it. Yeah, don't don't forget he also had help from a special teams coordinator to uh, help yeah. help work on that offense. So Joe, Joe Judge. Two extremely disappointing head coaching hires in oh, their previous stops oh. and somehow their powers combined didn't solve all the problems on offense. It's really, really stunning. I was shocked that that didn't play out. Yeah. So heading into this season, I think the big question is how much better their offense is gonna be. I think that their defense is still going to be good. Uh, maybe not top five necessarily, but they're still going to be good. And on offense, the biggest change is just in that coordinator role where it's now gone to Bill O'Brien, who I'm not wild about, but he's also not terrible the way that, that Judge and Patricia were. Yep. And another thing that I find completely bizarre about the, um, what I'm looking at last year is thirty-second in special teams DVOA. That makes almost no sense to me. How that's possible? Very unBelichickian, right? To have that sort of uh, lapse on special teams. Yeah. I mean, especially because the only thing I can think of um, about their special teams last year is they beat the Jets, where they threw the ball eight times on that punter game, all the way down to like the two or whatever. That's right. I had forgotten about that game. <laughs> it was the worst. That, that encapsulated those two teams last year, too. It was just baffling and so hard to watch. Was that also the one where Zach Wilson didn't accept any blame for the loss afterwards and, uh, and really just sealed his fate? <laughs> yes. Yeah, oh, man, I had forgotten about that. That 100% is that exact thing. Yeah. They lose 7-3 to three and he's pretty sure it's not his fault. Yep. Yeah, what a defense that kid is. <laughs> tough look. Tough look among your teammates there. So, I think it's interesting to try to figure out how good they're going to be this season uh, on the whole, because it's always fascinating to watch a team jump wildly on one side of the ball. Like, think about the Dolphins last season going from what they were before Mike McDaniel took over to one of the top offenses in the league. But the improvement from truly terrible to mediocre can be just as impactful from like a regular season record standpoint. And what do you think? I mean, do you think that Bill O'Brien can 
give them that kind of a boost? Like, get them to just be middling? Um, I think some injury luck, potentially, but yeah, it's it's a weird thing, because I think Matt Patricia kind of broke uh, Mac Jones a little bit, and then the fans were like, want, cheering for the Bailey Zappi experience. <laughs> they sure and, did. I forgot about that, too. Oh my god. And, I mean, they laid the hammer down on my Detroit Lions, of course, because why wouldn't they? Right. Um, yeah, but it's such a, yeah, it's a very, without someone like Tom Brady there that just can, like, for whatever reason, eat all of the toxic shit that, like, comes out of Bill Belichick's coaching style and, like, just, you know, excel, I don't know if Mac Jones is there yet. Yeah. I kind of agree, and I'm not sure they're going to have the offensive line to just lean all the way into a running game, you know, heavily feature Raymondre, and kind of kind of try to replicate what they did in Max rookie year, where they weren't a super explosive offense, but they were a very functional offense behind a strong running game, and Mac Jones just making the sort of easy throws that were schemed up for him with, I believe, Josh McDaniel as the, the coordinator there at that point. I think so, yeah. Yeah, and so it's like if you just get back to something like that, like they're gonna look a lot better. But yeah, I, I don't know, you know. Yeah, it's tough to say. So last season they finished eight and nine, mostly on the strength of their number three ranked defense. So their defense really was extraordinary, and it seems like they still have some some very good players there. Although I believe they're gonna be without one of their good corners from last year in Jack Jones, who has some legal issues. Oh, I, I totally missed that. Yeah, I believe he was trying... He had multiple firearms uh, at an airport. Like you do? Yeah. So I believe he's going to be missing at least some time. Though we'll see if it's as serious as gambling at a at a hotel on, on team time. Yeah. <laughs> that six-game threshold. Yeah, it might not be quite that severe. Yeah, so <laughs> they finished 8-9 and nine last season. This season, their over-under is set at 7.5, and, and a big part of that has got to be thinking that the Jets are going to be better, so you don't get two wins against them when they barely got two wins against them last season. Buffalo is still going to be good, and I think people are thinking that as long as two is healthy, the Dolphins will also be a hard, time, a hard team to play against. What do you think with a 7.5 over-under number? I'm not yeah, so a little bit discombobulated. I don't... Um, seven and a half doesn't, it doesn't seem impossible to me. I think, yeah, it's, the, the decision's going to be more difficult, and it's just going to come down to, you know, if they can get their special teams back to, like, what we know it can be, like, I just don't, I don't get that at all, and have a fun team offense. But it's like they've lost so much on offense, like, who's going to catch the ball, like, Juju Smith-Beaster is like, and then they got Umandre still, I guess, but. I guess, I don't know, I I hate this team, and I hate Bill Belichick now, and I want them to fail, so I'm like, <laughs> you know what I mean, like, I'm just so sick of fucking New England Patriots, and I just want them to lose every game at this point, so I, I don't know, um, the eight and a half seems, or seven and a half seems crazy, because I don't think they're going to be worse than last year, right? Right, that's uh, the bit that I'm stuck on, is is thinking, how how could they be that much worse than last season? Who, who are they playing? It looks like they got it. They got the a- NFC East. NFC East and fucking AFC West. Yeah, okay. so That explains a bit of it, then. This explains quite a bit, because yeah, you're not, there's not a lot of misses here. I mean, you can pencil them in for a... One hundred and nothing win over former Patriots coach Josh McDaniels in Las Vegas. That's a one hundred point victory, probably. Um, but wow, um, that's that's a rough schedule. Yeah, so you need them. You need them to take care of business against the Saints, the Commanders, the Colts, the Giants. All doable. Right, those are the ones that you look at and you you say they need to get those ones if they're going to get over that. And they need, you know, the third place teams, that doesn't some favors to you and the Broncos are probably going to stink. 
I'm going to go over, just because, sort of as you suggested, I have a hard time believing they're going to be worse than last year. And they did make it to 8-9 and nine last year. I think you probably get a couple wins in games that you're surprised by, because Belichick does some dancing around the lesser coaches in the league. Yeah, I think I'm I'm going I'm going under here because I just want to see I want to see it burn. I'm close enough where I feel like I can feel how shitty I think these fans are. Like I can feel them only a couple hours away from me now. Yeah, you're more up in their territory now. <laughs> That's right. All right, let's go ahead and move on, and we'll cover the Miami Dolphins next. So last season, it's kind of surprising to me to see that they finished nine and eight, just because I remember them being in the playoffs and and kind of giving the Bills a hard time with Skylar Thompson as their QB. And so with all the early season excitement plus that, I think in my head I thought they had finished stronger than that. But obviously it makes sense when you consider the quarterback turnover they had with two missing games and then Teddy coming in and immediately getting injured in his relief stint. So not too shocking that they only made it to nine last season. Yeah, the Skylar Thompson show was just some of the most horrendous football I think I've watched. It was really, really bad. It was so frustrating. There was a garbage fire, and then it's like, this team could have been good. And then, yeah, New England was purposefully handicapping itself because who knows why. Ah, Yeah, this was a frustrating division. Yeah, so with that in mind, the... The offense looked really great through much of the early part of the season. And I think the biggest question I have looking into this season is, did Brandon Staley in that Chargers game provide somewhat of a blueprint for slowing the offense down the way that, say, the Vic Fangio defense did against the Jared Goff Rams back in the the good year of Mitch Trubisky, where the offense just had, had a hard time recovering against the league after that sort of blueprint was shown. And I think it's hard to argue that it's going to work quite as effectively because a big chunk of the Dolphins' success is that they have Hill and Waddle who can just break it open on at any given moment. But at the same time, if you get... I guess it's only a question if Tua makes it all season long, right? Because if, if Mike White comes in, we're not feeling great about how they're going to do for the year, right? Definitely not, but I'm feeling probably better than I about Skyler Thompson. 100% with you on that, yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. And then I think, yeah, they're like, I mean, like, some of this is kind of like, it could be a little bit different because of the Jonathan Taylor suit stakes going on. I know they're front runners in that. So if they're able to trade for Jonathan Taylor, like, yeah, you know, it, it's different than, you know, what, who they got going this season most hurt and Jeff Wilson, like, San Francisco cast-offs that, like, McDaniel's bringing in. So, uh, yeah, I don't, if they get a legitimate, like, Jonathan Taylor, I know the running back position is devalued in the client, but. Yeah, but Taylor is definitely one of the difference makers there. Yeah, for sure. And you can add to that that they actually hired the aforementioned Vic Fangio as their D coordinator this season who I think still has pretty universal acclaim as a, as a D coordinator. So I think you'd expect some improvement there, as well as hopefully having some better health luck on that side of the ball. And they, they, they took steps to bolster the defense, and their defense finished 15th last season. So if the additions they made in free agency, plus the addition of Fangio, bumps that up to a top 10 unit, suddenly you're looking at top 10 on both sides of the ball, and that's a pretty scary team. Oh yeah, for sure. But yeah, it all, it's just, there, there's, I feel like the, the question about, uh, Tongue of ILO is just so, it, it, it just dominates what this team. It's a grim question to think about, but it, I, you can't not consider it when you're looking at what, what their outcomes are. So it's like, yeah, if you're, if you're got, if you're saying over, you just think he's gonna be healthy, and if you're saying under, you, and like that, so this is like truthfully gambling to me. <laughs> like right. a lot of these other ones, I'm like, oh, I got an idea. I think they're going to be a little bit better. But if he's healthy the whole season, they're going to be good. 
I agree. I agree. So outside of the AFC East, they have the AFC West, of course, and what do we say, the NFC East? Yep. So wow. that's that's tough. That's probably the worst draw you could get this season, right? That's as bad as it gets, yes. And outside of that, they get the Carolina Panthers, so that's that's a nice one. They get... So the second place teams in the other AFC division. Yep, the Tennessee Titans. That's also a pretty nice one. But it's it's pretty rough outside of that. They get the Ravens as another second place team, so that's not not exactly a cakewalk. No, that's, that's not good. Yeah, so they got a pretty they have a pretty tough schedule that they'll be facing for the season as well. With that in mind, last season they finished nine and eight. This season their over under is set at nine and a half. So all you'd need is one game of improvement to reach that ten number. And I, I think, think my initial thoughts are to go over and just hope that. Tua stays healthy, but this is definitely one that I'm not going to actually bet on because that's way too big of a risk factor for me to to think it's worth counting on. Yeah, I'm over on this team. Just, yeah, now I'm going to let you think back to those divisions. Just so brutal. That's such a brutal schedule. Yeah, um, yeah. So they, you just don't have those gimmies that that you know bump a team up to seven or eight wins. Really easily, yeah. You got two real easy games. It feels like, but like you know, maybe not because Ron Rivera's team they can get up and play a game. Even though I think that that team's not very good, and that the idea that they're starting Sam Howell is a complete joke. Yeah, I have I have some notes about that for our next one when we talk about the NFC East. Yeah, but it's like yeah, I mean that for a four is hard, and that that kind of team gives. The Miami Dolphins a little bit of fits, you know what I mean? And I guess another thing with Brable, I think Brable gives them fits. He could probably could with the way he plays defense. He does the defense, so. But I, I, I'm going over because I just think I think uh, to a I'm I'm an optimist because I just want him to be healthy. Honestly. I do too. I think we saw enough out of Mike McDaniel last season to believe that he's able to adapt to to whatever strategy the Chargers might have fallen onto. I it's only a problem if they if they can't adjust to that, right? And I think that that he's shown enough to make me think that he will be able to adjust to it as long as there's a healthy quarterback and it was a pretty impressive turnaround in, in year 1 of him. Yeah, I definitely agree. And again, yeah, he he wasn't really working like who were their backs last year? The two they have now, they had like do they have Maparita for a while? Then they released him. Yeah, they were like the Isle of Castoff Niners running backs. It was sort of a running joke that they just kept grabbing the Niners guys. So yeah, Breda might have been there. Uh, Jeff Wilson, I think, appeared. Yeah. yeah. So it was it, it was kind of a revolving door there. Yeah, you think they would sure up that position? It's like get someone dynamic, the way that San Francisco did. So. I mean, I guess that's why they're in on Taylor, but I still like this team, and I think, you know, I'm obvious I like McDaniels, like, from what I've seen, like, he's kind of, you know, he's different and more, like, endearing than a lot of other coaches that are different. So, I'm like, I've kind of rooting for him because he's a goofball, and I want Tua to, like, I don't know, fucking shove Ryan Clark's face into the dog shit if that is his healthy season. <laughs> I don't know. Ryan Clark lost his damn mind. I don't know what he was doing yesterday. I don't know if you saw about that. He was like, he went like off on some ESPN show, I think, is what he's on. Saying like, he was like fat and like didn't get into the gym at all. And he just like came after him for like no reason. And he was like, dude, what the, what are you talking about? Like, I don't know. And then he, He's like, I did all this. He's like, yeah, I'm getting bigger and stronger so I don't get hurt anymore. And then, like, it ended up that, like, Ryan Clark did, like, this insane apology today about it. It was like, I talked to his trainer. He was in the gym three days a week. He's like, I wasn't, I wasn't needed to be disrespectful to him. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, yeah. You definitely a- were, but it's like, I guess people, like, like, Piss at him enough to where he's just kind of back there. But it's really weird. It's like, you know, you don't think of like, I guess like 
after a certain amount of time, the former players kind of, they're not former players anymore. They're just talking about Right. Maybe you can blame it on CTE. Yeah, maybe. But he, you know, he, at least he, like, ate shit about it. And was like, True. Yeah, you know, yes. Acknowledge that it was, I, I it was. I was a here. I, did, I was out of line. But it's just so funny. Yeah. This kid not catch a break. Like, people are talking, like, you know, we were like, oh, is he going to be healthy? Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, it's not his fault. Like, also, yeah, we should definitely say about last year that Mike McDaniel clearly not the best coach. Clearly fucking stupid as football brain dementia that he put to a bat, like, in yes. it, five yes. days after a fucking concussion. And yeah, it was a Sunday to Thursday turnaround. Fucking idiot. Like, this is the your literal franchise is this kid, and this is the type of shit. And then people were like, "Well, he sleeps through the protocol. He said he was fine." What the fuck is he supposed to say? Like, that's the shit that drives me so crazy. Well, he he said it, so like, yeah, he basically he feels like he has to say it. It's the culture of football. Like, I didn't ever play football that was worth any goddamn thing that meant anything, and I always still thought I gotta be tough. I gotta say. It's just insane. It's the culture of the sport, and everybody who's even been around it a little bit knows that. So I just find it insane that nobody stopped that from happening. And yeah, the that. entire purpose of the protocol was to take it out of the players' hands so that exactly. you were actually just doing an evaluation, and they just absolutely flubbed that entire thing for that one. Yeah, I mean, I guess they fired the, you know, the, the impartial guy into the sun, and sure, he deserved that, but it's like, at some point, what what are you doing? Like, just play it safe. Just say, hey, we're gonna sit you for one more week at least, and make sure that everything is good before we we toss you back out there because we only have a four game turnaround, a four day turnaround. Like that's the way we're gonna play it. Yeah, that's like, oh god, that was like that was infuriating, like so stupid. This franchise and Stephen Ross can get fucked. I hate them so much. Like you know, tampering with Tom Brady and like yep. Sean Payton. How stupid! I mean, maybe my hatred to Stephen Ross is that he's this huge Michigan donor. Whatever, don't don't say any of that shit about it. There are a lot of reasons to hate him, though. You, like, you can pick more than that. That is so stupid. Like Tom Brady's a hundred million years old, and you try like you are so disconnected from your entire life. If you're like, yeah, Tom Brady's gonna save my franchise, and right. Sean Payton. I watch this franchise deserves to be an also ran, and like the best thing we'll ever do is drink champagne with other teams. <laughs> I am rooting for Tua though, and I kind of like Mike McDaniel, and it speaks a lot to him. I thought what he did with was stupid. It speaks a lot to like, you know, I don't know. He's got to be a little bit wired differently because he knew he's not. He wasn't even wanted. Like they didn't yeah. want him here. Tua has to be the same way. They didn't want you here, man. They wanted Tom Brady, so. Yeah, it's crazy, but I'm going over. I am too. I am too. And and like you said, I think there are good reasons to not love it, but here we are, and we're both going over on the Dolphins, and yeah, very much just praying for yeah. a healthy Tua. Yeah, we're just, it's like, you know, sometimes you just gotta bet with, like, what you want to happen a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Makes it, makes it a little more fun it that way. Makes it way more fun. All right. That moves us go. very... <laughs> Very nicely. I'm just getting out of the way for this one. The stars of the stars of Hard Knocks this season, the New York Jets. And before I dive in, I'm, it's important to note that we haven't lived through any prior seasons where the Jets got overhyped in the preseason, and everybody got very excited and they fell short of expectations. That's certainly not something that's happened on a regular basis for the entire time that we've been watching football. But the New York Jets in the offseason, in case you haven't heard, added Aaron Rodgers. No way. And with that addition, everyone seems to think that they have a complete football team now. Aaron Rodgers is two years removed from winning an MVP that he shouldn't have won, in my opinion. Three years away from winning one that he probably should have won, but (laughs) either way, he, he played well for those two seasons. And last season was a bit of a downer with the Packers on top of the heels being in the heels of the COVID debacle that, that he represented. And if you ask me, two extremely disappointing playoff appearances to have the Packers exit the playoffs over the past couple seasons. 
how many he's had how many years he's been in the league all except one has been just you know he he doesn't have a great track record especially no. in the NFC championship game. Yep, yep, exactly. And we'll dive into the the schedule thing in a little bit, but before we do that, I'll go ahead and go through my my deep stat dive on on what we're looking at here because. I just think everyone has lost their minds a little bit in terms of how easily they're going to transition to the Aaron Rodgers era and have immediate success on the offensive side of the ball. Aaron Rodgers is turning 40 this season. And last season, there was a much ballyhooed quarterback acquisition when the Denver Broncos traded for Russell Wilson. And it seemed like the Broncos were set on a path to be a big contender. And last season, everybody got all worked up about the AFC West in the preseason, about how good they were going to be, how Derek Carr might be the worst quarterback in the division, and how wild of a thought that is. And it was an absolute abomination. They had a really good, offensive-minded head coach, too. And what happened to him? It's funny you should ask. He was (laughs) fired. (laughs) And he has been signed in New York to be the offensive coordinator for Aaron Rodgers. That, yeah, that's true. I forgot about that. So it's an interesting an interesting one they, they share in common there. On top of that, when Russell Wilson went to the Broncos, he was turning 34 years old, and he had just come off a season in which he threw 25 touchdowns against six interceptions and averaged 222 passing yards a game. The big question mark after that season in Seattle was if he was still the guy who would extend plays, scramble for first downs, get those little extras that his legs provided as he was getting a little bit older. So 25 touchdowns, 6 interceptions, 222 passing yards per game. Last season in Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers threw 26 touchdowns against 12 interceptions and averaged 217 passing yards per game. He also was seen getting rid of the ball extremely quickly, chucking balls downfield without letting the plays develop, and generally looking like a malcontent, which fits a lot with how he's been over the past few seasons, which is, again, remarkable given that he won two MVPs in that stretch. You would think that he might be a little happier with the circumstances he's in. John, you don't understand about the woke mob and how they came to cancel him, so he's mad. As they woke, targeted him. As woke mobs go and how cancelings go. <laughs> I can't I can't even continue with the bit. The person who's listen, the whole team is so fucking crazy. I guess we should also mention obviously that Nathaniel Hackett is offensive coordinator when he won those two MVPs and that's why everyone thinks this is gonna be big time. Just the drama of this whole thing is so stupid. That he, like, just shit on the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, which had its issues, but it's like, we're not going to make this a vaccine show. But now he's playing for the person who owns that company. Like, yep. how how little respect do you have to have for yourself if you're Woody Johnson? That's my question. Yeah, it's remarkable how, how low, low they can go on those sort of things. Yeah, it's wild. And the final point that that I'll, I'll make about the comparison year over year is that the offensive line is in a much worse spot. So when Russ went from Seattle to Denver, he was moving from an offensive line that ranked 25th in adjusted sack rate allowed and 14th in run blocking. And he was going to a unit that ranked 21st in adjusted sack rate allowed and 18th in run blocking. So basically the same. A little better at pass blocking, a little worse at run blocking. Not great at either. Also not a cellar dweller either. Aaron Rodgers is going from the offensive line that was ranked 6th in adjusted sack rate allowed and 2nd in run blocking. So we've known for a while the Packers have had a very good offensive line and they were really strong once again last year. The Jets last season ranked 17th in adjusted sack rate allowed and dead last, 32nd, in run blocking. That's so wild. Especially given the first half of their season when Bruce was healthy. Yep. And this year, they're pretty much running it back. They've only replaced one of their starters, their their majority starters, from last season's offensive line. So either you're banking on continuity, 
a resurgent from 38-year-old Dwayne Brown and some sort of magic to make the offensive line good? I think I told you about Brown. And on Hard Knocks or somewhere, I heard that he played last year with two torn rotator cuffs. But those are Seems like it would make it hard to block. That's what I... He's like, hey, he did good. I'm like, eh, I don't know, man. <laughs> Feels like he can't be that good if you had two torn rotator Yeah, I'm not sure that's a good place to start when you're when you're trying to do this. Yeah. So the other thing that I've heard, I think that that people are making the case for the Jets here is that they have such an exciting set of offensive weapons. Now, where where do you think they fall? Like, what would you where would you rank them? It just in, in a general tier oh. in terms of offensive weapons. Oh man, I don't, I don't even know how to answer that. Um, I do find it pretty funny that Corey Davis just retired yesterday. He's like, I'm good. <laughs> Which means their number two receiver is Alan Lazard, right? Yeah, Garrett Wilson's their number one. Yeah. So your offensive weapons are Garrett Wilson, who's coming into his second season after a promising rookie year. Yep, very good. Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb. Hey, I didn't get that one. And, in theory, Brees Hall. Yeah, and Dalvin Cook, and six weeks of Miko Hardman. <laughs> yes, yeah, Miko Hardman, too. I don't want to leave him off. Don't leave him off. Uh, the depth chart says he's the starting third wide receiver. So, for one thing, for Brees Hall, he tore his knee last year. Yep. And in almost all the cases we've seen for running backs, they don't come back right right away the next season. Like they just they don't bounce back to their full level the next season. Think about Saquon Barkley. It it there was one year where they just don't have quite the same explosiveness before they come back the following season and look more like the, their old selves. So I'd be surprised if Brees Hall was quite the epiphany that he looked like he was going to be when he went down with that injury. On top of that, how many times do you think Brees Hall will have to screw up a blocking assignment before Aaron Rodgers is telling them, leave Delvin Cook in the game? Oh, man. Uh, not long. Yeah. Not two long two times he misses a blitz, and it's like, just take this guy out? Yeah, I, I mean, we'll be <laughs> Yeah, something like that. So that's their exciting weapons room. I, I think that I would put them somewhere in the teens. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that they're... they're without weapons but I also think there are a lot of teams especially in today's NFL where I like the top two receivers a lot more or they have a threat to catch the ball as a tight end and all of this is assuming that the offensive line can do anything to keep him (laughs) upright you don't believe in Tyler Conklin as a receiving option John sure don't (laughs) sure don't I guess, like, a part of the thing, like, they're hoping that, like, the Mackay Beckton, I think he missed, mo- like, almost the whole season last year. They're hoping he's going to come back and be good. But, I mean, I guess, I mean, like, uh, we were talking yesterday, like, Lakin Tomlinson has been good in the past, and they're hoping maybe he can be good. Looks like Salah must have brought him from San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's right. So, uh... I guess that's kind of like if you're trying to put something together as to why they could be good. Yeah, but I just, I really, yeah, that's right. Like Bruce Hall not really ever operated in this offense. He missed all of camp. So yeah, Aaron Rodgers is going to be in his ass probably pretty soon. Yep. So. I agree. So to start the season out, they played the Bills, the Cowboys, the Patriots, the Chiefs, the Broncos, and the Eagles. Sounds like it could be two wins. So, you know, I there are a lot of question marks about the Patriots. There's a long history of owning the Jets for Bill Belichick. <laughs> and I know you hope that the acquisition of Aaron Rodgers is the sort of thing that reverses that. But, man, I have no doubt that Belichick is pretty excited to scheme up against a porous offensive line and Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, it sounds like, you know, Matthew Judon gets, like, four quarterback hits. Yeah, and I feel like they'll they'll double Garrett Wilson, and they'll put their best corner on Lazard, I guess. I don't know. 
and just tell Rodgers, hey, see see how many times you can hit Cobb this drive. I mean, Cobb, there's no way he's going to be healthy for more than six games, so. After, I mean, they got to hope that Nicole Hardman and Randall Cobb just, you know, split the six games. If they both go down at the same time, then I'm like, who are we throwing to now? Um, some guys I've never heard of. And you got Jason Brownlee. <laughs> I forgot about him, yeah. What about uh, Alex Erickson? <laughs> He's a football player. Definitely. They're, those are definitely not Madden-generated names, right? <laughs> yeah, Alex Erickson. He's got 96 career catches. There you go. So, if if you're feeling optimistic about them, that hope rests in the back half after their bye week in Week 7. Because their schedule is pretty easy from there, which is just a result of finishing last in the division last season. So after the bye, they get the Giants, the Chargers, the Raiders. That'll be a nice one. The Bills, the Dolphins, the Falcons, and the Texans. So that's nice. Then they have the Dolphins again, the Commanders, the Browns, and the Pats to end the season. Falcons, as we both said a couple episodes ago, that's not a gimme. No, they they love mucking up everybody's everybody's stuff. Yeah, I think the one thing I say that you know kind of goes also in favor of them being okay. The defense should be good, and Sauce Gardner he rules. Yes, so, it should be good. Yeah, yeah. they had like between Sauce, they had like two key pieces that are so good, and Quinn Williams and Sauce Gardner, and yep. it's like so that is awesome, and the defense is great, so. Yeah, the big question I have on that side of the ball, because you're right, those those are two studs, and, you know, you think of the Super Bowl-winning Rams team and the team the year before where you have Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, and that's enough to build the rest of the defense around because of the stuff they can do. I just don't know if Salah is that good of a coach. Yeah, I mean, you know, we don't really know yet. Right. In two seasons, he's what, won seven games both times? Yeah, and I can't say he's bad. Yeah, yeah. But it, it's sort of the same way. I, I feel the same way to some extent about D'Amico Ryan's going to Houston, where the, both those coaches did a very nice job with the Niners' defense, but the Niners' defense is stacked. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing more to say. It's just, that's kind of one thing where it's like, if this defense is playing like it did last year, then. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So it'll definitely keep him in the games, and we'll see what Rodgers can do to put him over the top. The The last note I have on it. That opening six-game slate, Buffalo, Dallas, New England, Kansas City, Denver, Philadelphia. Last season on defense, those teams ranked 4th, 2nd, 3rd, 17th, 10th, and 6th in defensive DOEA. So, all top 10, except for that nice, easy defense you get against Kansas City. (laughs) Yeah. Who I don't think cares too much about your Sauce Gardner and Quinn Williams. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it also... We haven't said it yet, and I think we've probably implied it over the other episodes that we've done. Zach Williams, Zach Wilson is an absolute disaster of a football player. So putting, I mean, Mike White looks like the second coming of like fucking Johnny Unitas or like Broadway Joe. Like it was absolute. Just he he sucked in a way that was just inconceivable in a lot of ways. Unless you're thinking historically about a lot of Jets quarterbacks. They have they have a very long history of, of ineptitude there. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That was a great article or something. That was a fun read. The Ringer had that yeah. breakdown of all the Jets QBs yeah. since do you remember when it was? Was it nineteen ninety? Yes. Yeah. And it's it's rough. It's it's right up there with the Bears' history in terms of that. It's really really bad. There were six guys. I just said, "There's no way." Like time period, I was like, "Well, I was watching football at this time, but that certainly was not a person that played football." Yep, and you know, always a key key mention that Tom Tupa finished in the teens there for their uh, their rankings. As funny as it gets, I love that game. Yep, incredible. Okay, so with all that in mind, 
I'm going under on the Jets. The Jets over-under for the season is set at 9.5, so that would be needing three wins improvement from last season in order to reach that number. And a big part of my reason for that is not only the things that I said about I don't expect Rodgers to just drop in and, and have success immediately with this new surrounding cast he has, especially after being spoiled for years by the Green Bay offensive line. But if they get off to a really bad start there in those first six weeks, there's going to be a lot of crying from that quarterback in, in New York. I mean, there's going to be that, but there's also going to be those dumb fucking sound bites that I cannot stand. And spelling words, and crying on the Pat McAfee show about the woke mob. I don't know. I don't know how much they're going to... And also, it's like, it's different. If he's on the Giants, that's a franchise with maybe a little more respectability. The New York Jets are a laughing stock. Like, since Super Bowl three, they've done absolutely nothing. And it's like, I feel like they just kind of roasted Rex Ryan for a long time because he was a buffoon. <laughs> yep. A buffoon who beat the Patriots. In he, did, he definitely did that. And his, you know, quarterback for Mark Sanchez and Chad yeah. Pennington, I think. Buff fumble. He might have had a little bit of Pennington, yeah. I, I might, yeah, I think he had the tail on the Pennington, perhaps. When that arm was truly shot. <laughs> Before the Miami days, though. So, the, the last time the Jets beat the Patriots in regulation, do you know when it was? Do you have a guess of what year it was? They've been so bad for a long time now. I'm thinking about 2011. Holy moly. Are you serious? So twice a year they play, so and the last time they beat them in regulation was 2011. Wait, so they beat them in overtime once? They beat them in overtime twice since then. Once in 2013 and once in 2015. So the Patriots are 22 and 2 in the last 24? Mm hmm. <laughs> oh, man. You're giving me so much juice to vote on their own here. Their got- win in 2015 was the Ryan Fitzpatrick to Brandon Marshall connection. Oh, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> Ryan Fitzpatrick still talks about that game, actually, as to why he hates Tom Brady. Yep. And their win in 2013 was highlighted by a Geno Smith eight-yard touchdown run. Aw, man. Love to get Geno in there. I love that. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, fuck these phones. I'll go under. Yeah, there you go, bud. All right, we're both under. I really think they're going to be just another replay of the Broncos from last season. And I think that people will be like, oh, wait, remember Nathaniel Hackett, who couldn't figure out how to use timeouts? Maybe he's also not that great of an offensive coordinator, and it was actually LaFleur doing it in, yeah, in Green Bay. That could be. That could be. Might just be another Joe Lombardi. Oh, man. we got to get him in on every episode. <laughs> we really do. We should figure out a way to, to bring him up even on every episode throughout the season. Oh, yeah. We'll do that. Perfect. All right. Let's wrap up the AFC East with the Buffalo Bills, a team that last season seemed like everything was going their way. They were the preseason favorites to win the Super Bowl. They really had a pretty great year. They they finished the season at 13-3, and three, uh, that only 16 games because of the DeMar Hamlin game. And they finished first in total DVOA, second in offensive DVOA, and fourth in defensive DVOA. Yeah. First special also teams. in special teams yeah. DVOA, just, just for funsies. Yeah. And this season, their over-under is set at 10.5. I don't, I don't know what, what you think, but I don't see why they'd be any worse this season than last season. I really don't either. Um, I think very clearly they're the, you know, the best team in this division. Um, yeah, the only thing you could say is like, yeah, I think a lot of, you know, they were so good and a lot of it got kind of derailed, I think, you know, with a lot of the, the fallout from, you know, that. The I agree. Game. So and like when it happened, like so late in the season, you know, it just had to be so hard to like kind of come back and play after that. So. Yeah, I think there was a lot of talk at the time about you know 
once once we confirmed that he was as okay as you can be after something like that, I think there's a lot of talk about, oh, this is going to be this big rallying point for, for the Bills, and, you know, they've got all this, this extra going into the postseason. But I think, just like you said, like that can also work the opposite direction when you witness something that terrifying late in the year, you're kind of like, holy crap. And I think it, it can have the opposite effect and kind of shake you up and, you know, make you think a lot more about what you're doing and, and how it can affect people at that point. Yeah, and like what, you know, actually important. Like, football is a child's game. <laughs> it's not this big, important thing. So, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know, though, obviously. There's no, how, there's no way that we would know. I'm sure, like, ready to play, but I don't see, I don't think there's any reason to think that this team's going to be worse. The only two things I can think of is, you know, maybe, you know, your boy in New York left. Uh, yeah. Dable. Yeah, Brian Dable and Stassi had a little bit of a regression. It still played pretty well last year, but it wasn't like the absolute elite level. And when you said that, Rogers kind of stole on DC. I'm thinking you probably thought Josh should have got it a few years ago, maybe. Yep. Yeah, I thought either Josh or, or Brady, especially because I loved the fact that Rodgers uh, lost out on home field advantage because he m- missed the game because of the immunization issue. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I totally forgot about that. So, yeah, I think that's you make a really good point, because that is one thing that I had thought about before this that I had forgotten to mention here, is if I was trying to build a case for why they would take a step back, it's exactly that, is that Allen enjoyed his best season with Dayball there, calling the shots, and doing what I think he did in New York, which is kind of forcing the quarterback to only do the stuff that he's really great at and trimming out as much of the other stuff as possible. And I think clearly Dorsey did a good enough job last season. Ken Dorsey, the offensive coordinator, did a good enough job last season where they had the second-ranked offense by DVOA. But I don't know how much of that is just carrying over a lot of the day-ball playbook. And were the little were the little hints of regression on Allen's part, the, the weird throws into, into triple coverage that got intercepted in some games, were those signs of losing the the optimization that you had under Dayball? And if that's the case, does one additional year removed mean that it creeps in just a little bit more? Yeah, and that's the kind of uh, question out there that we don't know for sure. Um, and then it's like, I think they are staying at wide receiver. I think, like, Stefan Diggs obviously is amazing. They made all that noise early in the preseason about him, like, wanting to trade potentially. And then not showing up to practice, and it's so weird. Like, it is fine. Like, Diggs is just kind of a weird dude that way. Like, he kind of ruffles some feathers, but he's amazing. You know? Yeah. Um, but but he gets kind of worked up about, yeah, a lot of things. So it's like, if that, if that relationship falls apart, and he, you know, you don't, you never know what could happen, but like, being kind of thin there, it's like, the next best option is going to be good, David. And he's, you know, so he just goes away sometimes. So, I mean, if you're trying to build a case of why this team isn't that good, that's kind of the only, I think those are the only things that are kind of thin at that receiver position. Um, yeah, it's kind of like if Joshua, you know, kind of takes a step back, it becomes kind of a house of cards a little bit. Like, they, had, they really kind of struggled running the football at points last year. But, you know, when they have everything working together in concert. They're amazing. I think they made some pretty good moves in the offseason. They just added a lot of depth back on offensive line and on their defense. Um, yeah, and I like the Damian Harris addition, too. For, yeah. for uh, You know, specific to that run game, I feel like he's a solid guy to have there. Yeah, but, uh, yeah exactly. They brought him in a very concerning deal. And they kind of picked the parts to get kind of like, yeah, they kind of picked the parts of that. Rams defense, you know, we got, um, Taylor Rapp. He's not going to start. We got Leonard Floyd. He's a, you know, good pass rush specialist. And then they bolted their offensive line. They got the not Zach Martin guard from Cowboys. 
show. They should be better, and if everyone stays healthy on offense, I think, yeah, they're a shoe in to be the best team in this division. One of the best teams in the NFC. Yeah, I agree. And in, in, in a weird, this works out in a weird way because, because the AFC East drew the AFC West and the NFC East as their two divisional opponents. All of those opponents are common for them. Yeah. And the first place ones that they drew aren't so bad. So they get the Jaguars, who are good, and I expect them to be good, but they're not terrifying. Like, yeah, yeah. it would be if you that didn't draw the AFC good. West, but you got the Chiefs. Yeah. And they also get the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> because, remember, they finished first in the division last year. Then the other one they're going to get is Yes, they the Bengals. Yep. That's no cakewalk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'll be a tough one for sure. And the Bengals have played them extremely tough too, uh, in particular. So, uh, so yeah. With all that said, I am definitely going over on them. I think the ten and a half number is weirdly low. I don't really understand that, and I might sprinkle a little on their division odds, too, because right now they're at plus 126, and I think it's interesting that you can get plus money on them. So, that's well, where I sit. To me, it's the right number, and I think it's only just because what we said about the Kansas schedule is going to be there. The highest win total, I think, projected is Kansas City with 11.5, and, and so I think that, yeah, with this strength of schedule, yeah, 10.5 is right, but I think you're going to go over I mean, because it's like, to me, it's like you can't put them at 11.5 unless you get excuse at 12.5. And, and I think, like, both of, both of those things might be better numbers, weirdly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I, because I think we both are hitting the over on both these numbers. And if you put them up another one, you might both hit the over on that, too. So. Still, yeah, true. Yeah. Truly. <laughs> All right. Well, that does it for the AFC East. Thank you very much for listening to my my long Jets rant. It was awesome. I loved it. And next week, we got the NFC East. Some people say that it's the best division in football. And I say the Washington Commanders can go second edge. I think that's very fair to say. And yeah, I'm excited to cover that one. So I don't have something as nicely prepared as I did for the Jets, but it'll be a good one. Uh, In the meantime, take care, buddy, and I will talk to you again soon. All right, later on.